All right, welcome everyone to Free Markets Green Earth episode 24. I'm Nikki P here as always with the Liberty Hippie Ben. How are we doing there, Uncle Ben? Sup, about to chow down on some some golden rice actually. He's going to say did you bring some bags of some big old bags of rice with you? I did. I did. He said golden did. rice. That's you know, the good stuff. I, uh, I had a nephew that uh, got kind of confused when he called me Uncle Ben. It's like, wait a minute, what? But uh, really, yeah, yeah. It was. It's always weird too because I'm like Uncle Ben. I'm just. I, I don't know. Uh, it seems like a uh, racist or, or like I'm trying to appropriate. I didn't call you Uncle Ben. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Makes me, makes you... me feel funny. <laughs> makes him feel funny in the pants, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, uh, today's episode, I thought we would talk a little bit about human manipulation of our food sources. Um, I'm sure the first thing that comes to mind when people talk about that is, you know, GMOs, which of course is one way in which human beings uh, go out to directly affect their environment. Um, however, there are some more traditional ways in which that happens, and there's some more futuristic ways in which that happens nowadays. And I thought we'd kind of give a little lip service to all of them. Yeah, why not? Why not? Um, one of the more interesting things, like the, I, I was sending you articles yesterday, and it was mm. the dwarf tree thing. Yep. And the I, I, I found out about dwarf trees because me and Liz were taught we don't have a very large backyard, but we're right. really interested in kind of having our like we, we love the idea of a food garden, you know, or a food, you know a food forest. And how how would we do that with a small space? Like, is that something an option that you have? And so while we were researching, one of the things that we discovered was these these things called dwarf trees, and essentially. What they are is you take the root structure from a tree that, uh, like a small tree, and then you'll actually take a a cutting, a a branch, if you will, like a fruiting branch off of a tree, and you graft it into the root, into the the main stock of a a different tree that's got a smaller root, root system. And essentially what you do is you turn that single branch of like an apple tree or, you know, any number of other types of trees. I sent some some examples, you know, of the eight best dwarf trees that there are and stuff like that. Um, so that you can grow essentially like a fruiting tree at like a fraction of the size. And and there's they they can kind of vary in the size that you have available based on the specific size of the space that you have. Um, I think there's like a, there's there's like three different sizes at this point. There's still like your, your regular ones. There's the semi dwarf and then there's the the dwarf trees that you can get. And that's, but yeah, essentially how it goes, you know, it's just a a graft onto a, a smaller root structure. Um, You know, and that's, that's essentially how like all of our fruit trees come these days. You know, if you plant a peach pit, there's no telling what kind of peach you're going to get out of it. It's not, certainly not going to be like the uh, <laughs> peach that you just ate. Yeah. Um, now, one of the thing, reasons I think that this is actually important to talk about is because this is a human manipulation of the, the world around us. Um, but it's also one that I think has the potential to be very useful 
you know, as we move forward as people. Because, you know, one of the things that's going to be necessary to talk about at some point is, you know, urban farming and growing in less than standard uh, situations. And I just imagine a whole bunch of rooftop gardens in, like, major cities where you have a lot of dwarf trees and you have, you know, smaller versions of something that would normally take up an entire orchard to grow. But now you're changing what used to take up a 50-foot plot of land to, to have a tree. It now can be done with a, you know, four-by-four space of land. And you got 20 mm-hmm. trees on a rooftop. Now, granted, their output's going to not be the same as that big tree, but it doesn't have to be because you, you, you're you able to find this difference. You're using a space that otherwise wouldn't have been used for it. And also, they uh, they mature a little faster. They they will fruit quicker than your, your semi-dwarf or your um, traditional size trees there. So that's a plus, too, you know, um, get to fruit earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't think they last quite as long, you know. Um, if you're putting them on a roof and you can just replace them. What's, well, what's the well, that's a lot of it is that, you know, if you can manufacture it at scale to a degree, then, you know, you have something that that can become its own industry, you know, in perpetuity. Um, as long as the technology for grafting well improves, which I can only imagine it's going to improve more as time goes on. Yeah, at this point, you, you can... You can graft just about anything. I mean, it's not, it's not incredibly difficult. You know, you can take cuttings from a tree yourself and, and root the tree. You can do your own grafts, um, you know, get some, some wax and stuff. And you get, you got like the one pear branch on the apple tree. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can do that too. But, I think uh, I kind of, I first re- understood, I first saw grafting, um, when I was looking at bonsai and getting in, I was interested mm-hmm. in that because a lot of bonsai starts from grafts. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's uh, it's it's amazing what you can do. You know, like even even air layering plants, you know, and, and getting getting trees to to propagate like that. Um, I, I've never impressive. heard of that term. What's that about? Uh, you, you take the like a branch um, that you want to turn into a tree basically and kind of cut away the bark a little bit um, and then wrap that area with uh, some rooting hormone and then wrap it with like dirt and um, plastic sort of and keep it moist and give it some time and uh, because you cut the bark off it, it doesn't get any sustenance from the roots of the tree so it starts to put out roots it starts above to the cut. roots and then in time, you cut that off and pop it in the ground. You got yourself another tree. And, and some trees are easier to do than, than others, um, you know, but that's that's one way to, to do it. Um, well, I mean, you know, isn't that that's how, like, how they end up multiplying a lot of the trees that they use in the, uh, you know, the current system, even with like, you know, in those big orchards and stuff, that's how they make more trees because you want to have a consistent lineage from yeah. you know once you find that perfect mm-hmm. apple you want to have that perfect apple and that's the easiest way to get it growing yep just most mostly clones i think for most part but um yeah it is it's, it's interesting and that's and that's something you know we've 
figured out how to do over time and and you know we're making progress in it and uh but it's and it's it's sad to me that it's like it's not more well known like we it was something that me and my wife stumbled upon when you should be able to find these trees just out at the store you know just hey yeah. we, we got we got dwarf dwarf you know if you live down south like why do they not have dwarf lemon trees at every home depot <laughs> i think i think you can i don't know i i feel like i've We've seen them. My, my son has a uh, a calamondin, which I'm not entirely sure what it is. If it's a hybrid of things or what, but it's this weird limey sort of thing. It's got fruit, maybe the size of a like a big marble. You know, um, okay. Yeah. It does well, but we take it in on the it's on the porch in the summer and the, the fall, and you know we had to take it in because it's dropped down in the 30s we had a little frost the other night so well yeah and i and i but that's another you know that's another benefit of these i mean these are things that like Mm -hmm. you can move in and out of greenhouses um which is funny we're talking greenhouses uh you you sent me that picture of that greenhouse you were talking about the other day and like the Mm -hmm. guy who's they're growing you know they have a greenhouse citrus yeah and they're growing um that that, that's that's what we call a an earth ship there buddy yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the same technology. It's based on like it's all based on utilizing Using the it. windows and like the 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 slant of the window helps hold heat in. You utilize the actual ground heat from the earth. Yeah, like, that's why you sink that. it in like that. Um, me and Liz have yeah. talked about doing that. We it's something that's definitely not. We've definitely considered a long term. Like that's something we'd like to have. Yeah, it's a. Uh... That would be something. <laughs> um, that would be something. Because, like, what you'll actually see is, like, you'll have, like, a lot of places, the way most Earth ships are designed is, like, you'll, that, that that greenhouse part that you have there, mm-hmm. it, it goes along the entire outside of the one side. It's so basically the entire one side, that's the hallway to get from room to room. And then each room would be sunk back into the hill to regulate temperature better in their rooms. Like, you'll want it a little cooler. And so, like, you'll just kind of, like, have, like, a, a walkway from one end of the house to the other through the greenhouse, and just you stop at whatever room you want. It's kind of set up more like a hotel, structurally, so as you're not kind of moving in between rooms from a centralized point. Everything is just kind of along that path. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, they, and you could totally grow, like, your <laughs> your or- lemons and your... Uh, Oh, what was the other one? The oranges that they said were they had a version of that you could grow tiny like that. Uh, there's, I mean, I think you can do. There, like I said, that, yeah. there's at least there's I bunch. saw pomegranates on the one. Like it really kind of depends on mm. what what area of the country you grow up you grow in. Yeah, I think the the, the rootstock, but yeah. So, um, but yeah, to me, it was just an interesting example of ways that we found to kind of manipulate the environment around us in ways that are useful. Um, I sent you a bunch of articles that were mm-hmm. pertaining to they were they all came out about two years ago. I remember when they came out, and you you're laughing because they were all Buzzfeed and <laughs> <laughs> Slate. Yeah, they were all, and I'm like, oh, you guys don't even exist anymore, do you? Aren't you all out of business now because you were lying about how many people visited your sites? Weird. Oops. Yeah. Um, But the articles interested me because they were they they centered around um, like this herbiculture in Japan, and apparently in Japan there's a market uh, for boutique fruits, 
and you like, there's <laughs> there's very odd fruits like we're looking at like pyramid shaped watermelons and um mm. <laughs> just you know weird hybrids like I, isn't, I that, even, isn't that where we saw like the the black the the black melon where it's like black on the inside or something like that uh, or, um, no remember I, I, I bet that's where you, that's from but you remember you sent us a picture of like the ancap watermelon where it's like yellow on the outside black on the inside that's that's why I'm uh yeah I, I want to do something like that I would love to to breed something like that that is uh yellow on the inside and or you know your yellow flesh melon and then really I don't know if you can get black it'd be hard to get black but you probably could and, I mean I don't, I don't know like stripes <sighs> but some of the stuff I think is just the way that they grow it like square watermelons I think is I've got I'm pretty, to sure, they, I'm pretty you, sure they grow them in boxes for that yeah you know it's not even like some of the stuff is it's just crazy it's just wild well the prices they get for some of the stuff but. Well, and therein lies what's an interesting thing to me is that they've created like this this market where mm. they made the food far more valuable. Now, yeah. imagine if you could take, you know, you made $25,000 off of, you know, some strawberries. Because um, one of the one of the things that they point out, or the, the the examples they use, was this farmer who's been doing the same thing for I think almost been, been a couple of generations. Mm-hmm. But he's been long time. He's been breeding strawberries for um they're like albino strawberries and they've just been breeding generation after generation to make them whiter and sweeter but like the strawberries themselves i think like 25 bucks a strawberry (laughs) if you can imagine paying that but they're supposed to be (laughs) because of the way the culture is over there like they're they're perfect strawberries like they just they get rid of the ones that aren't perfect um and it's interesting that there's an economy built up around something like this. Like the, the people found a way to turn food into art. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, through. I mean, and more importantly, it's, it's through amazing. human manipulation. Because <laughs> um, a lot of these people, from what I understand, aren't doing genetic. It's not genetic modification. It's making it. It's it's actual. You know. Principles yeah. they would have been using a thousand years ago to modify fruits and foods. Yep, yep. And I mean, just there's there's that one picture of a is that an apple. I think it's an apple growing on a tree, and uh, you know they they put like a a tattoo on it essentially, and it, it blocks the light and it creates this white spot on the apple that is now in the whatever it says. I don't know logo or some. Yeah, Japanese word or something, you know. Um, but it is it's it's all in the technique. Like you read about the cantaloupes, right? And they, when when you grow a cantaloupe vine, um, you know, you get three, four melons off it, five melons off it. But they don't they don't do that. They just let the vine have one melon, and supposedly it's sweeter. Who knows? I don't know. Well, I mean, but, uh, theoretically, the idea is it's instead of pushing the nutrition to. You know, just five melons. It's yep. trying to push all the same shit to one. All melon. to one. Um, yeah. Typically, that's that's the opposite of how we we grow food. But I mean, maybe in the future, because even you know, as humans create more and more of us, um, there's there's going to be a demand for property. So if you can manage to squeeze the nutritional density of five melons, 
mm-hmm. into the space of a single, you know, single vine, as opposed to having to grow like an entire, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, grow, grow five on quality. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the idea being that you can make your food and your nutrition go a lot further. Um, cause yeah, like I said, I mean, at this point, thanks to China, it doesn't seem like, uh, the world population is going to slow down anytime soon. No, no, it's not. Um, it's not happening. <laughs> and as that happens, land just becomes more scarce. So finding ways to kind of utilize less land for more, more gain is an important task. I mean, like, I think the holy grail of all of this has been this thing called, um, Yellow rice, and that's something that they've been working on genetically modifying for God forever. And I, I think time. I think it's Dupont that actually does it. Um, and the idea is they want to grow some rice that can, that's a, a fam- like a drought resistant, so it'll grow you know in w- any climate. Um, but you know what? They they haven't managed to do it. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. Meanwhile, you've got people that are going to grow all kinds of crazy things, utilizing. You know principles that we already have, and, and it's it's one of the reasons why like I, I don't fight modifying food. It, it, the idea of genetically modifying food is kind of where I start. I start having issues. Yeah, I think there's a, that's a huge difference. I mean, there's a, a on one hand you're just selectively harvesting something, right? That's the reason we have you know hundreds of different dog breeds. That's the reason you have you know. Uh, so many different varieties of, of tomatoes. Um, that's all selective, you know, that's all what people have done over time. But like you said, when you start, you know, inserting DNA to shut off certain, uh, certain characteristics that, uh, would show up in a well, plant. You know, or, and I don't know that I'd care so much know. if what the characteristics you weren't shutting off. Like we discussed last week, our, our, our its ability to grow in a violent chemical. Yeah, well, then there's that too, right? Like that that side of things where you just open it up to to all those chemicals, and, and you know it, that's just going to wash itself out eventually. You, know, you the the weeds themselves will become immune to it. You know, the same way. Like I'm down here in in Georgia, right? And um, we have goats, and we have worms. Worms are an issue down here, and uh, over you know the last i don't know century or whatever i guess the the worms have become immune to you know most of the the chemicals we have if you go down south to like the caribbean none of the wormer works on the goats like none of the wormer kills the worms right yeah um and it's going to be the same thing with with the weeds you know you're just going to need like a heavier chemical a harder chemical to the point where at some point it's, it's going to be gonna bad work. for us <laughs> yeah Um, one of the interesting things that like, I think that it's why I think it's important to pay attention to things like this is because it's like, well, you, well, you joke about, you know, you put the tattoo on the apple and then it's got the logo on there, you know, because that's the way it is. I I don't even know if it's a logo or like, you know, healthy long life or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, but one of the things is, is this, there could be opportunities where like, say we managed to find a way to hybridize and remove, you know, a pigment that'll make it, uh, it'll, it'll reflect sunlight differently, you know, it'll, or it can absorb more sunlight based on, you know, the pigmenting that we mm-hmm. can get from hybridizing. Um, 
something that I think could be that one of the reasons I'm really interested in this is because hybridization is a great way to start kind of creating offshoots of um, what do you call it? It's a way to create biodiversity, which I think is is super important. That's obviously my big soapbox on the show. Is to some degree, I, I see the thing with because hybrids don't. Eventually, eventually, a few generations down, you might have something, you know, useful that uh, is worth. Well, but you know, that's my, and propagating that's my, but that's again. My point um, is that eventually, if you do it long enough and you find enough things that are worth kind of doing, eventually you're going to have like it's it's man made it's men taking control of that part of you know to trying to reverse what we've been doing historically i guess like i i don't want to think that we've done so much destruction that it's a death sentence and that we're kind of forced to to deal with our ancestors creating monocrops um this to me is Uh, one way that we can kind of reverse that and sure i mean it's not like an immediate payoff but we didn't wipe them all out immediately either it took time yeah no it did it it does for sure. Um, I think, you know, you, I know, it's kind of interesting about the hybrid. I, I wonder is it that to some degree, that's how you come up with some things. Um, but uh, I don't know. We're, uh, we're growing some of those hybrid chickens now, the uh, Cornish cross chickens. Okay. Um, and th- those are the ones that like get really big, like really fast. And like, you have to butcher them at eight weeks. Otherwise they just kind of, die on their own because their, their, their body can't keep up um <laughs> it's it's amazing man it is amazing they are just about they're a little over three weeks right now two weeks i think when mm-hmm. when we're recording in about two weeks anyway um and i have another chicken uh that i got at the same time little chick and they are like three four times its size already and uh there's nothing as far as i know there's nothing like abnormal like about that right there's nothing that we've that that there's no genetic modification. It's just simply a cross between a, a Cornish chicken mm-hmm. and uh, some sort of rock, like a white rock chicken. And, and that's that's what you get. And that's what happens. Um, and somebody, I guess, somewhere along the line like, stumbled on it. Have you noticed the level of food that they require? <laughs> it's different. Oh, they definitely, for sure it is. They, they definitely eat a lot more. Um, and they, they drink a lot more and they poop a lot more. And I mean, it's all a lot more, but at the same time, the turnover is, is much quicker, you know, whereas the, the heritage breed chickens we have, um, you know, we dress them out around 16, 18, 22, 24 weeks, depending on, you know, what you want them for. Um, and in, in that same amount of time, I can get two, two crops of, these other meat chickens, you know, um, and get a bigger bird out of it at the same time. So I'm, I'm, it is kind of curious, kind of, because what that does for you is um, that allows for, like, say, a mistake to not be as detrimental. Like, if you lose eight weeks on a chicken, you mm-hmm. know, that's eight weeks. You you lose a half a year on a chicken. That's a yeah. very different thing. Like, you, you you know, when you're trying, if you're new to the whole farming thing, you're not. Not quite sure on a lot of it, you know. You don't know necessarily everything to do up front, and so, you know, I I see that that being a, a, a certainly a, a worthwhile trade off. 
Oh, for sure. There's less time for, for loss, you know, predators, yeah. um, all, all that stuff is, uh, yeah. Like say and a, I, an animal breaks in there and eats all your chickens. Well, I only lost three weeks on these ones. Yeah. <laughs> not, not six months. I, I wonder about that now if you, um, cause they do, they eat a, they just eat so much food, but, um, I, I bet if you kind of, if you compared what they eat in eight weeks versus what a, a regular chicken eats over the course of 18 weeks, um, I bet you'd be comparable. Uh, I bet you that, that that would be comparable. That, that might be something I, I try to do here over the next yeah. uh, uh, year, try Just to figure it out. Pay attention to how much one's yeah. eaten versus the other. You know, but the, but the, again, that's that's something we can you can do, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the living, if even if you lived in a you know urban area, or suburban area, or whatever, you could get away with doing that in your your garage. You know, you take up your garage for eight weeks, and and so what. Well, yeah. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you could, you could grow chicken seasonally here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you couldn't do that. Like if a chicken takes like half a year to grow, like you might get like one cycle of chickens. So you got eight chickens at the mm-hmm. end of it, as opposed to yeah, I grew I grew chickens for the entire summer and you know managed to get some meat out of it and you know yeah. cool it for the winter. Threw it all in the freezer. It'll be you know good to go when it's ready to go. As opposed to, well, I started at the beginning of summer, and God, hopefully, hopefully we're good by by winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially up there, you gotta, you really gotta worry about that. Yeah, so I mean, having something that reaches maturation that quickly, it allows it to. You, like I said, literally, you, it's something you couldn't do necessarily up here. Nah. Um, without that. Obviously, farms yeah. have their ways of doing it. Like they keep the chickens inside and stuff like that. Um, uh, sure, but then then you're you're into you're increasing investment you know, in it. You have to find food, grain, um, whether that's something that you can produce in store or whether that's something you have to go out and source. And and who knows where that's coming from? You know, um, yeah. If you're doing it short term and in that seasonal kind of time frame, if you wanted to just source local food um, well you, you could, know and yeah. i'm sure like if you're if you can do enough of it and grow enough in that time period like i'm sure that there's plenty of deals on grain when it's when it's there like it's cheaper when it's in season than it's out of season and so yeah. if you do all of your like hardcore chicken growth during that time period you know when it's all when winter time comes okay well i don't have to go buy expensive grain the other the rest of the year yeah, yeah. so yeah. Right on, man. Well, it was a, it was a fun little discussion about uh, <laughs> humans yeah. modifying food. I, I was a little concerned going into it; we'd have enough stuff to talk about to keep, a, yeah, keep it going. There, but there's there always seems to be there, something. If there is, else, and, there, and there's more. If there's like else, there's if, concepts, if, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think the when you get into genetically changing things, um, genetically modifying things with you know, actually getting in there and, and on a cellular level and changing things. Um, it is, it's, it's scary. I, I just, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I just, I just don't know. It's one of those things. It was like, you know what? 
you got like farmed salmon, right? And it, and you do something to it, and it's not going to get out. But inevitably, inevitably, at some point, like something will get out. And and what does that do to a a wild population? So that always yeah. gives me pause. But then there's, you know, do I want to put that into my body? Do I not? I don't know. Well, but either way, there's a million things out there, and they're super interesting. Either it's, it's way, amazing. IP is bullshit, and fuck Monsanto. <laughs> End of story. Yeah. <laughs> if if there's no other takeaway from this episode, just take that away. <laughs> IP's bullshit. Fuck Monsanto. <laughs> oh man. So, all right, boss. Well, oh, we uh, send them out to check out freemarketsgreenearth.com. I've been reworking the website. There's some fun stuff up on there. <laughs> Looking good. Looking good. It's uh, it's what it is. We, uh, yeah. I've been the event. Eventually, we'll. We'll add some more stuff, just little by little. Uh, unfortunately, like yeah. we don't really make any money off of this right now. If you uh, yeah. if you're interested, you 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 have ideas on ways you think we could monetize you people, send them to us. <laughs> Let us know what would make you give us money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm always. Ben's like, I would love some yeah. money. Love money. Love some money. I don't love money, but I'd love to have more of it. it would make some things in life easier. Yes, yes. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's about the, the smell of it, you know. Left no, I really have no. I have. I'm a terrible capitalist. I really have no personal love of money. It's just strictly a means to an end to me. Yeah, no, it really is. When when it boils down to it, like as long as you have enough, you know, that you can kind of get your way through some problems, um, you know. I want to have enough that I don't have to listen to anybody ever again. And there's that too. <laughs> so, there's that too. All right. Well, all right, as always, you can check me out at soundsliklibertycom or liberpods.com or parenttopodcaster.com. And Ben can always be found, as always, at homesteadsandhomeschools.com. Yes, sir. So take it Get easy, folks. There. Go all ahead right, and later. change the world. <laughs>